Hello, this is Mike Ghetto and Steve Carpenter. Welcome to the sixth episode of our 2019 uh, season podcast, Beer, Baseball, and Binds. Today we're very pleased to be joined by Jace Marty, who is with August Shells Brewery in New Ulm, Minnesota, one of the oldest uh, brewers in the United States that's still operating and still a family-run business. So it's, uh, it's great to have you on our pa- podcast today, Jace. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. How's, uh, how's the weather there today? I've been watching the Twins the last couple of days, and it looks like it's still the middle of winter. So, Yeah, winter just doesn't want to quit. Uh, it's a little warmer today, but uh, these last couple of days have been not so fun. Uh, ready ready for it to warm up, that's for sure. Well, the Twins uh, are staying warm, though, are very hot. I mean, they've, had, uh, they've taken two of the last three here from the Astros with uh, shutouts by their starting pitchers for seven and eight innings, and... The one, yeah. the one bad one by Pineda, but the overall they're looking really good so far yeah. this year. It's hard. I to know. Hit, it's hard it's to great. hit that baseball when that bat's frozen to your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, growing up playing baseball in Minnesota in high school too, like they, those first practices, it was you know you you shovel the snow banks off to the side and you you play catch in between them. So I definitely know the feeling of. of hitting and getting jammed with the cold bat that's not fun yeah same thing i mean we started off in the gymnasium we'd we'd have that big blue tarp that would come down in the in the middle of the gym and you'd have to hit baseballs into that because you couldn't get out on the field because there was too much snow yep yeah yeah Part of part of baseball, in Minnesota. Yeah, well, well, Shell started uh, what eighteen sixties? Is that right, uh, Jace? Yep, eighteen sixty. Give a little history. I mean, one of the, uh, you know, I, I had the good, I, I grew up there, so I've been there a, a couple of times, but got a chance to go back last summer again. But uh, it is one of the most beautiful uh, sites for a brewery I think you could ever find, uh, kind of nestled along the river there and uh, and right up against some caves. Tell us a little bit about the history of Shells. Yeah, thank you. Um, we were founded by August Schell, uh, the, the namesake of the brewery. He immigrated from Germany when he was 18 years old. Uh, he was born in Durbach, kind of in the southwest corner in, in Baden-Württemberg uh, of Germany, and uh, made his way from Cincinnati to a little uh, new development called New Ulm. Uh, he was originally working um, in the mills. He was a machinist and, and quickly realized that a town full of Germans needed a brewery. He teamed up with the Bavarian Brewmaster, and, and they founded uh, August Shell Brewing Company in 1860. And to this day, we are still on the original grounds. We've expanded a little bit, but it's uh, like you said, it's it's very picturesque. Um, we have, uh, you know, as you drive in, it's like on this wooded hillside bank. And um, when you kind of opens up into this old brick brewery, um, we have deer and peacocks on site. And it's it's definitely a sight to see. The beer garden is, is really cool. You sit under these really old um, black walnut trees and, and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely like you're 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 back in Germany for sure. One of the things, and I and I know obviously with refrigeration and different tech, technologies today, it's all changed. But I, I I believe one of the reasons you chose or your it'd be your great 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 grandfather chose this site was because uh, he could he could put uh, the beer right in the caves and let them lager, and and that was a big part of why people chose where they had their uh, their breweries back in the day. Correct. Yeah, so the we're on the uh, hillside and it's nice. It's protected as well, but we're uh, there's a natural spring. Um, uh, there's a natural spring that comes out of the hillside that we use for brewing water, 
and that uh, also because of the river down below, we cut ice uh, during the winter time, and that's how we had our artificial refrigeration um, that we were able to brew as long as we did, with it, keeping the beer cold in the caves below the brewery. You've gone through two. Uh, when, when did you take over responsibility for running, kind of on a on a day to day basis, Jace? Um, I I mean it's it's definitely a team effort. So I, there's I, I'm not gonna pretend I'm I'm running at all. But uh, my dad's still in charge, although he's he's getting ready to hang it up here pretty soon. But um, yeah, we have about 60 employees, and there's uh, you know a team of us in, in the brewing side of things that we all uh, try and keep the lights on. <laughs> I mean, you've 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 re I mean you've retooled a little bit your offerings in the last uh, decade or so, right? I mean you're you're much more than loggers and pilsners now. That's still the bread and butter, but you are you've got a much broader portfolio these days, correct? Yeah, yeah. No, we've definitely evolved over the years. I mean, we were one of the I would definitely say the early adopters of craft brewing. We uh, introduced our pilsner and our hefeweizen in 1984, um, and have expanded our craft offerings throughout then. And definitely, we've changed with the times. Um, you know, we, I'm not going to lie. We went through some tough times, and you know, as you've kind of grown up in the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that was uh, – there was a reason all the breweries shut down. And, you know, we're one of the few that, that made it through those, you know, the, the 70s consolidation period. Um, but, yeah, lately we've definitely uh, – we've made a lot of improvements, capital improvements to the brewery and, and, and kind of revamped our lineup, focused on, on craft lagers as well. We, we started our sour program um, about eight years ago. That's made in our old wooden cypress lagering tanks, um, which is, is pretty cool, too, to mm-hmm. utilize a piece of our history and, and make something, um, you know, pretty cutting edge in the, in the craft brewing scene. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we've definitely evolved with the times, and, and things are going well. But you also have those beautiful old uh, copper kettles as well. I mean, that's pretty part of a, a special environment as well for people when they come and take a tour. Yeah, yeah, our, our brewing kettles. uh retired now but um that was installed in mid 1880s and we used that up until 1996 um for brewing and then we kept using it for another 10 years uh for heating water uh 20 years sorry um and yeah, you're about 20 you're retired. very active in the uh, the minnesota brewers guild uh, or brewers association right that's a pretty good sized organization given the legacy and the, the scale of all of the uh, the breweries in in the great state of minnesota yeah, no, the craft scene in Minnesota is, is great. Uh, we have over, I believe, over 200 members now uh, in the Minnesota Brewers Guild. And, um, yeah, it, things are going great. This this next year, we host the Master Brewers Conference. And in 2022, we're going to host the Craft Brewers Conference. So, nice. Yeah, getting some national recognition as well. Jace, it's, it's really fun to hear your family history. And uh, my family's been in the hop business almost as long as your family's been in the brewer business. And those two are very closely tied and i find it mm-hmm. fascinating that uh your great great is it three greats yep. that's <laughs> three one great. more yep. than my great who, <laughs> yep. uh, great great who started uh, growing hops here in the yakima valley back in 1869 but that's it's awesome. interesting that he came from baden germany because that's my grand great great grandmother who married my great great grandfather who grew the first hops here she was also from baden germany mm. so Kind of interesting the parallels there between your family and mine, and how closely hops and, uh, of course, making beer are related. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, it absolutely is uh, something we you know we take very seriously as our our mission of connecting uh, our family hop farms to to 
the world's greatest breweries, and that's part of it. And it's part of why this is such a great industry, right? Because you do have these long-term family commitments to producing a good quality product. And uh, great, great to hear how well you guys are doing, Jace, uh, with with shells in, in Minnesota. Yeah, thank you. Uh, one of the cool things is, is is looking back in the old brewing records and and seeing, you know, kind of deciphering the recipes. A lot of them are still in German, but um, it was always uh, Yakima hops and German hops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was what, what were those? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. Well, we've cool. you've sent us. We've got your uh, Shells Keller Pills today. That's what we're drinking uh, here during the podcast, and it's a very fine beer. Tell tell us a little bit about it, Jace. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, I kind of mentioned earlier that we you know we've adapted with the times, and so this is kind of our fourth generation of our Pilsner. Um, we, we when we launched it in, in '84. It was uh, 100% six-row barley, and then we used all, um, it was a combination of Cascade and Hollertau Middlefruit. Um, kind of that going back, that throwback of uh, American for bittering and Germans for your finishing hops. Um, and it, it's changed over the years, and um, we just switched. This is our, our latest rendition. It's a, a Keller Pils. It's 100% German um, Weirman Barca Pils malt, and then we use um, all German hops as well, so uh um, Hallertau Blanc for our bittering, uh, a huge middle edition of Saphir, and then all late edition Callistas. It's a great summertime beer for, for watching baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Wanted something that was uh, light and dry and has a, a nice, uh, you know, hot punch without, like, over-the-top bitterness. Mm-hmm. How often do you get up and watch uh, the Twins play baseball? Uh, so I have a one-year-old now. Um, <laughs> just turned one, so... Yep. Uh, did not get to, I got to go to one game last year. Um, we kind of, uh, my college roommate, we are roommates. We all get together at least once a year and go catch a game. So hoping to start taking my son to some more games now as the weather warms up a little bit and he's a little more active and, and, you know, learning, learning the world. So I'm, I'm definitely excited to introduce him to baseball. That's one of the things I love about the game is it's so intergenerational and fathers and grandfathers taking sons and grandsons and granddaughters and, uh, I've got uh, 10 grandchildren myself, and they're getting to that age where they can start learning the game and going. And it's just fun to tell the stories of uh, you never know what you're going to see if you go to a baseball game, and, and every once in a while you get to see something that's uh, that's special. And just passing that on is, is, to me, part of the reason I love the game so much. Yes, absolutely. I hear you. And yeah. Target Field is, is a, a great stadium, and so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to bringing them there. And I watched a little bit of the game last night. Uh, we were uh, in Idaho for a couple of days visiting some of our growers there, got back, and, and uh, the game that was on was the uh, Twins and the Astros. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Martin Perez was uh, pitching a very good he game. He was on fire last night. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. uh, thank you, you for look- beating the Astros. I, I wish uh, <laughs> I wish the Mariners weren't uh, regressing to the means so much right now. Uh, that would have meant a little bit more. But uh, um you know, as I was watching the game, the, the Minnesota Twins, it's just, it's a game as a Seattle Mariners fan and a West Coast baseball fan, you just, you find it hard to hate the Minnesota Twins. The Yankees <laughs> make it easy. Even the Blue Jays, you know, coming down yeah. from Canada, they're pretty easy to hate when they come and uh, drink all your beer and don't stand for your national anthem and all that good stuff. But the Minnesota <laughs> Twins over the years have just been a, a 
team. In fact, they were interviewing in the booth Joe Maurer yeah. uh, last night. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just mm-hmm. I go, go, what a quality human being. Forget yep. about the fact that he's going to be in the Hall of Fame and the yep. baseball side. What a quality human being. And you got you got Jim Cott and you got Harmon Killebrew and Tony Oliva and Rod Carew. All these great twins are just quality human beings on yeah. top of that. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, and the twins of uh, uh, you know admire is how much they do actually participate in the community. We talk a lot about that community involvement with uh, with beer and what we do here in Yakima. But uh, those twins, they give a lot back. Rod Carew, very active mm-hmm. around you know things and, and related to heart and heart issues and mm-hmm. education and all of that. And Harmon Keller was a big philanthropist all the time. So it, was, it, it is fun, and it's part of that community and a nice part of yeah. a, a part of the state. So. Yeah, I, I remember growing up. It's called the Twins Caravan, where they, yeah. you know, every year they bring you know some players around all these small towns, and even like during the summertime, while the season's going on, they would, you know, bring in you know Twins legends and do like little you know mini baseball camps at, at these towns. I remember, you know, from an early age, and too um, Terry Steinbach. If yeah, the Rom guy. Yeah, sure. Guy. So we always had that baseball connection. So, um, but yeah, when he was part of the twins and and just yeah the twins have always definitely made a a, an effort to give back to the community and i think it really shows in in the baseball love for the twins it was funny i remember uh two or three years ago now byron buxton on his first uh caravan and they do the caravans during the winter normally Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. off season (laughs) so nine months of the year (laughs) byron byron grew up in georgia and so they were up north someplace in minnesota and they took him ice fishing (laughs) (laughs) he's like what the heck is this you know so it's it's a lot of fun people it it is a big thing though it's great great fun there's new Ulm though back to terry steinbach is a great baseball town i mean it Mm -hmm. always has been and there's been some really good players that have come through uh both uh new Ulm high and and new Ulm cathedral Mm -hmm. so it's always been a good spot for baseball right there yeah yeah uh i see new year (laughs) yeah no it's 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 a good spot it's one thing, Jace, uh, that's fun about having Mike here. Just telling me the other day that he's he can't wait to go fishing, but he keeps waiting for the uh, the lakes to freeze over. And <laughs> it never happens around here. <laughs> you, have, you have to recognize, Jace. Uh, when I came into to this company, I was part of the diversity program. Everybody else was a Mariners fan, and so uh, being a Twins fan, I was the diversity program. Yeah, that's, that's exactly oh, right. Boy. Well, Steve, you mentioned you were back in Idaho these last couple of days uh, yeah. talking to our, our, our growers down there. What's going on in, in the hot fields of Idaho? You know, they're busy down there. Uh, they didn't have the extended winter that we had, and, and so uh, they were able to get on the ground a little bit uh, earlier. Um, and uh, things look good. Uh, everyone's trying to get their uh, training timing down, so there's a, some uh, twining going on. And... Uh, this week, they should start a couple of the early varieties like Cascades. They should be able to start getting them on the string. Uh, but things look good. Uh, they were able to get a lot of work done, mm-hmm. uh, unlike our Yakima Valley neighbors who are just really stra- uh, scrambling to catch up uh, after the extended winter. Uh, but... Uh, they're excited about the season. I would say of the three uh, states up here in the Pacific Northwest, they're probably the uh, group that are out of the gate the quickest and uh, off to a good early start um, like the Mariners were. They're off to that 13-2 <laughs> and two start, right. uh, but uh, uh, there, there's no sign of letting up. So uh, they, they're off to a good, good one. Oregon's dried down a little bit, so they're – 
getting back pretty much on track. Uh, a little yeah. bit wet for spring, but not too terrible, I guess, right? Yeah, I saw some uh, pictures uh, yesterday of some uh, Oregon yards, and the the river's back in where it's supposed to be, the Willamette River, uh, but there's some pretty deep ruts in some of the fields uh, as growers are pushing it to get back on them. But, you know, it all has in the hop uh, world, the growing world, it has a, a way of evening out by the time harvest gets here. So uh, we're still anticipating a, uh, a a normal harvest. Well, too, we just got in, you just got in and shared uh, the first report out of Germany that we've seen anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe tell everybody a little bit about what... Uh, the early, the early, early views of what's happening in the German crop. Yeah, uh, reading some of the weather reports and what's going on in Germany, they're, I guess, having a much more normal season than they did last year. Uh, they went right from uh, the dead of winter to the heat of summer almost. Uh, they didn't have much of a spring. Right. <coughs> this year is more normal in terms of precipitation and, uh, and heat units. Um, we'll see how it plays out. Um, every year is different. Uh, the big question for, I think, the hop industry is, are these uh, abnormally hot and dry years in Germany, are they part of uh, climate change, or is it just a short-term weather pattern? So mm-hmm. uh, uh, we'll keep an eye on that as we go. But uh, so far, they're off to a fairly normal start. saw the acreage uh, numbers, uh, the preliminary number, and it's not an official one yet. I guess USDA will do that here in another month or so, or three, four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, preliminary U.S. was up just under 5%, and Germany up about 1%, and mm-hmm. global up about 3% in terms of, uh, of hop acreage, which if, uh, if, you, if you only think about it based on volume of beer, sounds mm-hmm. like it's about right, you know, but if you really think about it on, on hop usage, our, our view would be that that's probably a little bit light at this point, and mm-hmm. Again, rebalancing, we you know still have a little bit of old inventory to work off of for some varieties and others are, are popular as as we've been saying. But uh, overall, the, the, the first sort of global numbers coming out of uh, the International Hop Growers Association is for a global acreage increase of about 3%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, the big key is Germany, especially from the alpha side. Yeah. Yep. Um, they can be uh, off by a few percentage points, but really cause some panic in the market if there's uh, not enough alpha for our friends that are uh, using alpha for their bittering. So we'll see how it plays out. It's early. Hey, Jace, uh, how, how do you approach your hop procurement and contracting? Do you do a, a multi-year uh, approach or a more of a spot approach, or how do you guys go about uh, making your decisions on your hops and, and your procurement? We, we do a bit of a mix of um, some some contracting, nothing crazy long-term. Um, and then lately we've been doing a little more spot, um, just as we've kind of been revamping our lineup a little bit um, mm-hmm. and, and playing with some of these newer German varieties mm-hmm. uh, that they don't really even have the acreage to, to really start to contract out. I, I, don't know, I don't know. I know they would like for us to do that, but mm-hmm. um, kind of leaving our options open at this point on, on some of the varieties. But... Definitely for the, the beers that we are a core lineup, we, we have those contracted for sure. Right. And then how about your malt? I know this last year there was a pretty big spike on malt prices when we had some global weather issues. Is that uh, getting more balanced these days, or what, what's going on with malt pricing and contracting? We didn't see too big of a spike. Um, 
we get our, our malt from our malting, which is 45 minutes away, yep. which is pretty convenient. Um, so I guess for, and that we're, we're on a, a longer term multi-year contract. Um, just because we're, we're more of a malt heavy brewery, uh, mm-hmm. kind of focusing more on lagers, but sure. Yeah. That's, that's what we, the majority of our stuff comes from, from, uh, you know, with uh, with your lineup, which is as you said, really geared towards lagers and pilsners, um, more traditional German style beers. Are uh, how do you approach and how do you see interaction with uh, the younger generation that maybe is more used to different varieties of, of 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 either alcohol consumption or beer consumption? And how do you how do you attract that? It's kind of like baseball, right? I mean, I think the average age of a of a baseball fan is probably early 50s or something like that and how about what you're doing with shells and your your focus on your beer consumers yeah uh, that's interesting you just brought it up uh, we had the called the growler magazines kind of the beer and culture magazine of minnesota mm-hmm. um they were down today we were uh, i showed them how to clean one of our wooden tanks which was a, a fun all-day process but uh kind of during some downtime we were actually having that kind of a same conversation of you know where's craft beer going and what's this next generation what are they going to drink and you know what are breweries going to do and and you know for us we're we're you know we've been around a long time and mm-hmm. and we're we believe in what we do and in traditional traditional style lagers um we kind of see the pendulum swinging back or craft consumers kind of going full circle where you know lager beers are great beers to drink mm-hmm. and to drink a lot of them um so we're kind of going to stick to what we're doing. Obviously we're going to continue to experiment, but our, our core focus will always be on lager beers. I mean, that's what we do. We actually have, you know, room cooled fermentation cellars. So we're also kind of stuck in, in the fact that we have to make lagers, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, I, I, there's a reason that lagers are the most consumed beer style in the world. And, and, and I think, you know, as craft beer continues to evolve, you're seeing a lot more breweries, making lagers um because they're they're great styles that make and and not to say you can't put you know american hop varieties or, or amping up the you know the hop profile but it's kind of another you know the palette and in, in the you know color in the palette of yep. trying to try lager beers and seeing how hop profiles differ with a lager yeast versus an ale yeast yep do you have an india pale lager an ipl in your uh, portfolio jace we did. Uh, it was called Citra Blanc. It was obviously made with Citra and Hallertau Blanc, um, and we're revamping that now, and we're coming out with a new, uh, kind of like an IPL, um, that we're going to use uh, Calypso, Melon, and Citra. Okay. Um, with a little more floral character, I think that we tend to, when we do the higher hop beers, I think the floral hops uh, lend themselves a little better to lager yeast than the, you know, the more aggressive American steel, I would say. Yeah. I'm a little bit biased, Jace, but uh, in my opinion, there's no beer that cannot be improved by adding a little more citrus. So <laughs> just, uh, you know, if you put a little bit in, just a little bit more might, uh, who knows? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah. well, Jace, thank you so much for uh, for taking time to speak with us today. It's been great to, to hear uh, a little bit more about shells. Like I say, I grew up nearby and so i've i've known it for a long time but it's a great story and certainly within the uh the minnesota um, brewing tradition between shells and hams and grain belt and schmitz and all of these old old beers uh you know and 
it was just a lot of fun growing up. It was probably uh, more independent brewers back in the mid-70s than almost any other state between uh, kind of Minnesota and Wisconsin at the time. So it's good to see you still yeah. there. I, I would love to come visit you, Jason, look at those old brewing logbooks. Those just fascinate me yeah. and uh, be really good to look at them. And, uh, and, and so whether you're watching baseball or brewing beer, we wish you nothing but great hops. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime you want to come visit, I'd love to show you around, and, and I'd be happy to take you through the old uh, brewing logs. We're going to do that someday. All right. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.